Yo, 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 good evening and happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to episode 203 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Uh, sorry I didn't bring you another um, football um, recap and takeaways Tuesday episode. Well, lots been going on. You know how life goes, but hopefully I can make this episode worth your while as we got a football action-packed weekend that goes, of course, into the new year. But I'm going to start off by talking about the benching of Russell Wilson by the Denver Broncos. I'll give you my thoughts on that. I'll do a quick, a brief recap on last night's game between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Along with what I believe are the best games of Week 17 in the NFL, takes analysis and predictions, along with the college football playoff semifinal games, as um, four teams will vie to see who will play in the national championship game the following week. I'll give you my takes, analysis, and predictions on both of the games coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. Now, without further ado, let's get episode 203 started. Well, you know where I'm going to start my opening takes, and that's in the NFL. But before I get to the games, I'm going to talk about probably the biggest story this week in the NFL, and that's the shocking benching of Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. The Denver Broncos and head coach Sean Payton have decided to bench Russell Wilson for the final two games of the regular season in favor of Jarrett Stedman, who has been a career backup in the NFL. Now, of course, one of the, re- the reasons for this benching is, according to Sean Payton, he wants to get a spark offensively. Now, of course, Russell Wilson, I mean, he hasn't had his best season but his numbers have been pretty efficient. I mean, let's look let's look at his numbers here. He's completed 64% of his passes, passing for 3070 yards, 26 touchdowns and interceptions. Now, you have a lot of quarterbacks who have 26 interceptions or more, but you have some that have more than 8 interceptions. Some I mean, even look at Patrick Mahomes, he's got 26 interceptions, but he also has 14 interceptions. But of course, despite these good numbers, the Broncos have been inconsistent on offense. They have not consistently finished drives. They're ranked 22nd in red zone touchdown percentage, 16th in points per game. And of course, this is not typical of a Sean Payton offense who's known for putting up four and 500 yards a game. And also another reason that's been confirmed is by benching Russell Wilson, they will not be on the hook for his injury guaranteed 2025 salary that is worth $37 million. So by benching him, the Denver Broncos will assure that they will not be on the hook on that lump sum if Russell Wilson gets hurt. Now, there's been a lot of pushback about this um, about this move and how the way the Broncos have treated Russell Wilson. Because it was just two years ago, Russell, they gave up the farm to get Russell Wilson. 
They gave a multitude of, of draft picks and a couple of, you know, players for Russell Wilson. And now, this is the way they treated him. Like I say, NFL analysts, I mean, they've been, they've been ripping into the Broncos and Sean Payton. I'm going to let you listen to a clip of Ryan Clark on Get Up with um, Mike Greenberg. And I'm going to let you hear what he has to say. I'm just going to say up front, fair use. So here we go. Standpoint, I agree with you. You know, Mike T, like they're making a decision based on money and the financials. And when Daniel says this is the deal that we signed or we offered Russell Wilson, it's not the deal that we or us did because Sean Payton wasn't there. Right. Right. And so the business of it is not a problem to me. But let's be honest. Sean Payton has behaved as a thug since he became the coach of the Denver Broncos. Immediately when he gets in the building, he starts to undercut Russell Wilson personally and professionally from his first press conference on. He tells Russell Wilson, you have to stop kissing babies, stop behaving as if you're running for office. Nobody kissed more babies in New Orleans than Drew Brees. Period, point blank. From the beginning, he walked into this building and he had a point to prove when it came to Russell Wilson. You're going to be just like everybody else. I'm going to treat you just like I treat everyone else on the team. That's not the way it works with franchise quarterbacks, right? With a franchise quarterback, he's talked to differently. There are conversations instead of being talked at. You don't berate them on the sideline against the Detroit Lions because you don't agree with their play. We watched Sean Payton in New Orleans for a decade and a half never treat his quarterback this way and so now as you move through and you hear about the phone call you hear about talking to his representatives about starting about restructuring or doing whatever they wanted him to do to the contract this was just a means to an end for Sean Payton this was going to happen at some point and it just and it just happened toward the end of the I, I don't think I don't believe there was a thing Russell Wilson could do to make Sean Payton like him. I think from a personality standpoint, it was a bad match. I think schematically, it was a bad match. But my point is this. My point is this. Let's hold Sean Payton to some sort of professional accountability. His behavior as the head coach of the Denver Broncos is unacceptable. If I'm the Walton family, I do not want somebody representing me this way. And I want to say this about Russell Wilson, because Russell Wilson takes a hell of a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. The humility that Russell Wilson has shown, the professionalism that Russell Wilson has shown inside of that building while be, being treated that way by that man. All I got to say to Sean Payton is you lucky you had the right one. Boom. That was Ryan Clark giving, giving some heat to Sean Payton, giving him that work. Now, kudos to Russell Wilson for taking it like a sport. I mean, Russell Wilson said the following on his um, tw- on his ex um, page. He said, quote, God's got me looking forward to what's next. So it's obvious that after this season, they're going to move on from Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos. And of course, when it gets closer to that, you you'll hear on this podcast who I believe are the best fits for Russell Wilson. But I'm going to give you my, t- my thoughts on this situation. Let's be honest. Sean Payton didn't want Russell Wilson to begin with. As Ryan Clark um, um, correctly stated, during his first press conference, he tried to undermine him personally and professionally. 
Sean Payton was, was, I mean, I think annoyed, probably even irked by the fact that Russell Wilson had a big contract and he also had an office of his own. Now, obviously that, that's not very familiar to a guy like Sean Payton, who's a chip off the old block. He's from the Bill Parcells tree. We all know Bill Parcells would have, would have um, scoffed at that as well. But nonetheless, Sean Payton, I mean, from a schematic standpoint, as um, Ryan Clark um, stated, this was a bad fit. I mean, Russell Wilson, he's, he, I mean, for a decade, he, he, he's played at a high level, not just standing in there and, 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 and making throws from the pocket, but he also did a lot with his legs as well. That's not a Sean Payton type quarterback. Drew Brees, I mean, he was not a mobile quarterback. He was basically a statue, but he was able to stand in the pocket and make the throws. Now, Russell Wilson can make the throws just as, just as, just as good as Drew Brees did. But the fact that Russell Wilson is able to improvise the way he did, I don't think that worked for Sean Payton. And I actually believe Sean Payton needed a reason to try to bench Russell Wilson. This has been going on for quite some time. I mean, yeah, I get it. You know, he hasn't, I mean, the contract hasn't justified his play on the field, but his play hasn't been that bad. I mean, there's, it, it, it was just more than Russell Wilson. He did, he did the best that he could with the talent he had around him. I mean, let's look at it this way. It's not, it, Sean Payton deserves some responsibility at this as well. Because look, they didn't, they didn't have, until recently, their defense was suspect. I mean, they got it together and they won like five straight. So how come that doesn't count for anything? I mean, who was a quarterback when you, when the Denver Broncos won five straight? When they are on the cuffs of possible playoff berth. Last I checked, it was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson also won games for them in the closing um, minutes of the game. Just like he did in Seattle. Now it's true that Russell Wilson isn't the same player that he was in Seattle. We get that. He's getting up there in age. But he's still a good quarterback. So it's, it's also pretty obvious that, as, as I stated earlier, he didn't like that contract and he wanted to get out from under that contract. So what that means is Sean Payton is trying to create the Denver Broncos in his own image. And it's obvious the Waltons are willing to help him in that, in, in that endeavor. And that also means possibly eating probably, what, over 40, 50, 60, 70 million dollars to get Russell Wilson out of there. Because Russell Wilson has a no trade clause. So they most likely he's going to end up getting released. And don't think his career, Russell Wilson's career is going to be over when this happens. There's going to be some teams out there that's going to look going to be um, asking for his services. Of course, when it gets closer to that and when it's official that they're going to release him, which it seems like, according to most reports, it's going to happen around March. That's usually when free agent starts. 
I'll give you my I'll give you my um top teams that I think would fit Russell Wilson's skill set and why. But until then, the way they treated Russell Wilson is disrespectful. After everything that man has been in this league, he deserves some kind of respect. And it's and it's shame that Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos are treating Russell Wilson like dirt. If I'm teams, I mean, free agents in the NFL, you have to ask yourself, why would you want to go there? I mean, if they can treat Russell Wilson that way, imagine what could happen if, you know, you do something that Sean Payton or the, or the organization doesn't like. You can be sent packing as well. So free agents, just, you know, why I'd monitor that situation closely and wonder... Do you want to spend, I mean, your years with the Denver Broncos after the way they treated a guy who's been a good quarterback for over a decade in this league? All right, enough about that situation. Now let's move on to some of the game. First, we're going to start off with last night's Thursday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. The Cleveland Browns won this game 37-20. The Cleveland Browns, they've been rolling on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. And Joe Flacco, who a few weeks ago was sitting on his couch, has now led the um, Cleveland Browns to a four-and-run record over the past five games. The Jets, after Aaron Rodgers went down, had a chance to get Joe Flacco, but said no, they decided to Go with Zach Wilson. Well, we see how that worked out. The Browns were leading by 20 for a good part of this game. And they and they held and they cruised on to win the game win the game 37 to 20. Joe Flacco had another good game. He was 19 of 29, 309 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Jerome Ford, 64 yards rushing. Kareem Hunt, 31 yards rushing and a touchdown. David Najaku, 134 yards receiving. Elijah Moore, 61 yards and a touchdown. Jerome Ford, 57 yards and two touchdowns. On the Jets' side, Trevor Simeon, 32 of 45, 261 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Bryce Hall, 84 yards rushing. And Garrett Wilson, 50 yards um, receiving. Of course, Elijah Moore, he suffered a serious um, um, injury, head injury. I mean, he's been released from the hospital, so that's good news. Now for the um, Cleveland Browns. They're now punched their ticket to the playoffs. And right now, I think the Cleveland Browns are the most dangerous team in the AFC. I mean, with, with, this, with a good defense and Joe Flacco, you know, running his offense efficiently. The Cleveland Browns could sneak up on some, on some folks. They're going to be in the wild card. But imagine the possibility of Baltimore and... 
and the Browns meeting up in the playoffs. Joe Flacco going against the team that he won a Super Bowl with as a quarterback in 2012. And the fact that their defense has what it takes to possibly slow down Lamar Jackson. They've did it before. So, if I'm the AFC, I mean, they're talking about the Buffalo Bills, about how nobody wants to see them. But in my view, I believe the Cleveland Browns is a team no team wants to see in the AFC. As for the Jets, I mean, they just might as well go ahead and just get ready for next season. You know, it's a good thing now that it's been confirmed that Aaron Rodgers is not even going to try to come back. And that's good. Because Aaron Rodgers just needs to sit down, get there ready for next season. They've already announced that um, the general manager and coach Robert Sala will be back next season. Which, of course, Aaron Rodgers gives them time. How much time remains to be seen. Now let's move on to what I believe are the best games of week 17 in NFL. We're going to start off with a special Saturday, Monday night football game that's going to be done on Saturday evening. It's going to be the Dallas Cowboys versus the Detroit Lions. Now, the Dallas Cowboys is on a two-game losing streak. And they need this victory. Because right now, the Eagles having a much more favorable schedule. If they win out, they're going to win the um, NFC East and host a home game. The Dallas Cowboys... Their, their, their road war, um, woes are continuing, but they're going to be at home this week, so there's no excuse. Detroit Lions, they're coming off a high. I mean, they've won their, they've won their division, so all it is for them now is, you know, possibly to keep winning and hope some other teams in the NFC fall, and maybe they might be a chance they could get the number one seed. So this game is going to come down to whether the Dallas Cowboys can bounce back at home. It seems like that's the only time they play well and they average like 34 points a game. But, but right now, I think the, I think the Lions have some, some good juju. I think Dan Campbell's going to come in here and, and look at that as, so what? Y'all home defeated at home. We're coming, but y'all ain't seen us at home, in your backyard yet. I think Dallas will play better in this game because because they do have they do have the the, um, the home field, but I think that comes to an end. Right now, Dallas cannot be trusted. The last couple of games they have not they've been terrible against the run, and you got David Montgomery and Jamar Gibbs coming into town. I look for um Detroit to give them a uh, a dose of Montgomery and um. Jamar Gibbs in this one. And that will help Jared Goff a lot tremendously. And I think the defense for the Lions, you know, they've been they, they, they've been good enough. So I'm gonna go with Detroit to come into Dallas and upset the Cowboys. That's right. I think Detroit comes in and wins this game 26 to 21. Now let's move on to possibly the game of the week. This is the battle. For number one in the AFC and that first round by Baltimore versus the Miami Dolphins. Both teams are coming off 
huge, big wins. Baltimore spanking my San Francisco 49ers. I got to admit that. Beat them pretty soundly on Christmas night. And the Miami Dolphins, who finally had beat a team with a winning record and the Cowboys at home. Of course, the Miami Dolphins are going to be without one of their playmakers. Jalen Waddle is out with an injury, and he will miss this game. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to step up and help Tyree kill. Because if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm taking him out. They're going to they're gonna find a way to take T- Tyreek Hill out of this game and make Tua, Tua Tagovailoa beat them with other players. So this, the running game is going to have to be important for the Dolphins. One thing my 49ers was able to do was they were able to run the ball efficiently against the Baltimore defense. Chris McCaffrey did have over 100 yards. So Raheem Mozarati and Jeff Wilson, they're going to have to, one of them is going to have to get 100 yards or more. Because if they're going to take away Tyree Kill, which I think they, they're going to try, Tua Tagovailoa is going to have to have other guys get in there. You know, like Cedric Wilson, even Mozarati and in in, in Jeff Wilson in the passing game. Right now, I think Baltimore is the better team. Baltimore is a physical team. And yes, Miami got their first win against the winning team. I think that's where it stops. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Baltimore. I think to win this game by two by I think two scores. I'm gonna go with the, the um. I'm gonna say Baltimore 31, Dolphins 17. Now let's move on to. I'm going to go with my Niners versus Washington. Now, this is a game they're going to need to bounce back after after losing pretty soundly versus the um, Baltimore Ravens. Now, they go on the road to face a Washington commander's team with nothing to lose as far as playoff positioning goes. So, you know they're going to try to play spoiler. Now, the Washington commanders are going to plans on starting Jacoby Brissett at least that's the plan. But now he's on the injury list and it's questionable. So there's a good chance Sam Howell may get his job back. But for my Niners, this they still have the number one seed and they're going to have to win out. Both games this week and next week versus the um, LA Rams. Because right now the Eagles, as I say, have a much more favorable schedule. And I don't look for the Eagles to lose to Arizona. Even though I think Arizona will take it, um, get, may give them a good matchup. But either way, the Washington Commanders do have some good players. You know, you got Curtis Samuel and you have um, Terry McLaurin. So those guys can... can those guys, if you give them time, they can do some damage. And you know they're going to be testing the, the Niners secondary who suffered a few injuries. Jair Brown is out, the safety. Logan Ryan, the veteran, will make his first start. So you know they're going to test that secondary, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howell. And of course, this will be a revenge game for 
two former Washington Commanders um, players who are now 49ers, Trent Williams and Chase Young, who was traded to the Niners at midseason. So you know those guys are going to be fired up for this game. I believe the Niners will, I think believe my team, the Niners will bounce back. I think they'll bounce back in convincing fashion. I think Washington, you know, like I said, they have nothing to lose, so they're going to play hard. But in the end, I think the Niners in the second half score enough points and put this one away. So I'm going to go with my Niners 31, the Commanders 14. Now let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are barely hanging on to the um, AFC West. And you're not going to believe who's on their tail. The Raiders! The Las Vegas Raiders, if they win out and the Chiefs lose out, the Raiders could win the division. And you know what that means. They might as well go ahead. If that would happen, and I'm just saying if that would occur, Antonio Pierce, they need to take the tag off after, after they win the division. If, if that would occur, they need to just say, okay, well, you know what? We're going to host a home playoff game. You're the head coach for the rest. You're the head, you're the head coach going forward. So they need to take that tag off. But getting back to the Chiefs now, they play a Bengals team that's barely hanging on for a playoff spot as well. They're still in the hunt. And for the, and for the Chiefs, they have the Bengals and the Chargers. And of course, the Chargers are out, out, out of the playoff picture. So they're not, they're going to play playing hard. They're going to be playing for next season as well. But for Cincinnati, they need, they need this game if they're going to stay alive. Of course, the bad news is I don't think they're gonna, not going to have Chase Young again. So that's going to that's going to that's going to hurt them tremendously in this game versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, when this matchup ha- first happened, we were looking for Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow part. I mean, once again, but no Joe Burrow. Uh, they're not sure. Uh, getting correction on Jamar Chase. They're not sure if he's going to be playing in this game as well. He's, 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 it's still uncertainty in this one. But I'll just say this for Jamar Ch- Chase. I mean, if he can play, play. But if he can't, don't, don't, don't risk it. I mean, you have a long career ahead of you. You'll be back with Joe Burrow next season. But if he can play, definitely do so. Do so. But I think in this one... The Chiefs, right now their image look, looks bad with all these meltdowns with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know, melting down the way that they are. They're gonna need they're gonna need a, a, a good game. And right now, since Jamar Chase's um status is uncertain, I can't trust the Bengals right at this moment to, to um go in there and pull off the upset. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think they're going to bounce back pretty soundly in this one. And I'm gonna, I think they're going to win this game. It's not going to be pretty because I think both, both, both of these offenses right now are not where we usually, that we're used to seeing. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs 
to win this game. I'm going to say 27 to 19. And that will be that now that will end the NFL segment. Now let's move to college football. I'm going to talk about the semi-final matchups that're going to occur on New Year's. Let's start off with the big one. Alabama versus Michigan. Alabama versus Michigan. This one's going to be a big one. This is Jim Harbaugh versus Nick Saban. Jim Harbaugh looking to be where Nick Saban is. And of course, we all know Nick Saban has been mostly the king of college football for like the past decade and a half. And Jim Harbaugh is now trying to get there. And of course, this game is going to start with the quarterbacks. We're going to start with Jalen Melrose. Now, this kid was struggling to start off the season, but he kept at it and he improved tremendously. I admit, I was a little bit skeptical of him at first when he first struggled, but he has really been impressive the way he's worked and he's came back. I mean, he was, I definitely was definitely motivated by the fact that, his, that the former Alabama offensive coordinator, former Houston Texans head coach, Bill O'Brien once told him he shouldn't play quarterback. But now he does have the last laugh. And he leads. And this guy can do it not only with his arm, but he can do it with his legs as well. On Michigan's side, J.J. McCarthy, who's been a, a veteran in this um, offense, he leads the Michigan Wolverines. But for the Michigan Wolverines, the running game has to be a staple. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have to run the, be able to run the football effectively with Blake Corum in this in this matchup. And most importantly, Michigan cannot fall behind in this game. Michigan has to jump on Alabama early and and keep the foot on the gas. If Alabama goes up early, especially by two scores, you can wrap it up. Because we all know Nick Saban. Now Lee is one of the best coaches in college football. He's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. I believe early this game is going to be a defensive game. Both these teams play very good defense. And I think the defenses are going to um, rule the day early. And then I think as the second quarter and then the rest of it goes along, I believe the offenses come, um, will come alive. I'm going to take Alabama in this one. You know, job all I have nothing, nothing but love for Jim. I always have been. He, he coached my Niners, the three N- NFC championships and a Super Bowl. But I think Alabama's just better than Michigan. I'm looking, I, I think, as I stated, the defenses will um, come alive early, will show their stuff. And then after that, I think Alabama in the second half gets a couple of scores and a couple of turnovers to seal what I believe will be a 38 to 24 victory. Now let's move on to Washington versus Texas. I know mostly most 
most most um fans are mostly um focused on the Alabama Michigan game and rightfully so. But let's not sleep on this particular matchup, Washington and Texas. This has a chance to be a high-scoring affair. Both of these teams plays very good offense. Both of these team both of these teams can put points on the board. You had Michael Penix Jr., the run-up for the Heisman Trophy, and you have um, Quentin Erez, the quarterback for Texas. This game is going to come down to the defenses. And who um, gets the defensive stops at critical times? Because as I stated, I think this is going to be a high-scoring high scoring game. But... Honestly, I think Texas has the more balanced team. Not only on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they got great players besides the quarterback. You know, you got Brooks, you know, you have um, Xavier Worthy. and But of course, Washington can't sleep on their receiver. I mean, Rome Adunze, this guy can play, can ball. And I'm not sleeping on Washington on this one. But I just think that Texas right now is the more balanced team. Now for um, Washington, they're gonna have to get they're gonna have to run the ball a lot more effectively. I mean, they run the ball okay, but I think compared to um, I think um, Texas is better at both. So I think this game comes down to the fourth quarter, and I believe Texas is gonna have the ball last. And I think they win this game on a field goal and will meet Alabama for the second time this season. So I'm going to go with Texas to win this game on a, on a game ending field goal. I'm going to say Texas 40, Washington 37. So if my predictions are correct, you will see the rematch from, I think, week three in college football. Texas versus Alabama. Now, that will conclude the college football segment. And this will conclude episode 203 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever podcasts are available, or where you stream your podcast. You can follow me on X at GGSports13, and you can follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Color with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a happy new year. Enjoy all the games, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.